0: Welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Pastor Michael here. We are so glad that you've joined us as we conclude our series called Think on These Things. This has been a study through a single verse for the past several weeks. So often we take a period of time and we go through a book of the Bible or a section of Scripture, but we've been focusing on a single verse that was found in the New Testament book of Philippians. It's really more like a letter that a man named the Apostle Paul wrote to an early group of Christians at a place called Philippi. And Paul was in a difficult set of circumstances. He was writing from a Roman prison. and He was writing to a group of people who were themselves in their own difficult set of circumstances. And he gave some unexpected advice, some unexpected encouragement. He instructed this group of people, in spite of their circumstances, to live their lives and to build their lives on some very specific things. And that's really what we've been looking at for the past three weeks. And today we're closing out our time talking about how building our lives in that kind of a place, is really something that's not just an idea, it's not something we just do in our heads, it's actually something that becomes a lifestyle. It becomes something that defines us. And Today we're gonna talk about how to do that, but we're also going to talk about one key thing, that if we misunderstand how it works, it can really be the difference between success and failure. And so as we jump in today, let's say our verse, Philippians 4, 8, together. It goes like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so there's this whole group of words there true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. And we've been working through those words for the past several weeks. And today we come up to the very last two, the word excellent and the word praiseworthy. Excellent was otherwise known as virtuous. And in some of your translations of the Bible, if you're reading from a different translation, you'll find that word virtuous. And it really is anything that has virtue. It's the only time we see this specific word anywhere in Paul's writings. And at the time, and in the culture he was writing in, it was a word that was used at To refer to a code of ethics, a code of behavior, a standard that people or a person agreed to govern their lives by. In Greek philosophy, which was the surrounding dominant set of ideas in the culture, there were these ideas of codes of ethics that had been put forth by various philosophers. And so this was kind of a common idea that most people had an understanding of what it looked like. But this is really a summary statement. Virtue is the encompassment or it's the culmination of all of the other words that we've talked about. And it's kind of like Paul is saying, you've seen how other people around you dedicate themselves to a specific way of living or a specific code that they govern their lives by. This is like that. What's interesting is that all of us, whether we know it or not, we have a code of ethics. We have a set of standards, a set of things that we have decided are worthy to aspire to, things that are right and some things that we should avoid, things that are wrong, things that people should not do. And whether we've ever written that out or whether we've ever articulated it or not, we all have a set of expectations and standards that we live our lives by. And really, what Paul's doing is he's saying, you've seen really good versions of this. Maybe they're incomplete, but you know what a good version of living one's life is like. Do that, but do that around these things that are rooted in your relationship with God, your relationship with Jesus. And that brings us to our second word praiseworthy. You know, when we think of praising someone or something, we think about encouraging them, commending them, you know, saying nice things about them. We try to do that with our children. We love when at work our our employers do that with us or when our friends do it with us, but this word is specifically talking about worship. It's talking about praise as it relates to God, and so it relates only to God, and it's the thing that belongs that we render that we give to God. So if anything is excellent, it's virtuous, and if it's praiseworthy, if that virtue is directed towards God, this is something that we should build our lives on. So he's really saying dedicate yourself to a virtuous life, to a life that is worthy to aspire to, that encompasses all those other things, things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, things that make a life that looks like that, but then use that as an act of worship. Use that as something that reflects glory to God and that points to God in all that you do. And so these last two phrases are really about pulling all of those things into a life that is lived out before others. But as we've said in weeks previously, that is a life that begins in our minds. Everything that you do, everything that you are, everywhere that your life has taken you that you've had some level of responsibility or control over, because we all have circumstances that we don't have control over, but our minds are where it begins, and it works its way into our habits, into our patterns of thought, and inevitably, it works its way into our actions, how we live, how our priorities look, and even how our relationships go. And so when Paul says, think on these things, it's not just a mental exercise, but it's actually living them out, engaging them daily. It is a lifestyle. You know, we all know people who have all sorts of different lifestyles. We know people who are runners or they're into certain sports. They get up super early in the morning and they they practice. There's collectors, there's musicians, there's people who are really into a band you know, I was just following someone in my car today who had all sorts of Disney World stickers on the back of their car. And Disney is a lifestyle. The people who go there go there often, and they, they build parts of their lives around that, and they bring their kids with them, and then their kids bring their kids with them, and it just goes on and on. But it's something that you dedicate yourself too. Some of you have dedicated yourself to a career. You've put a lot of your effort and heart and time, and you've poured your life into the thing that you do. And hopefully it brings you some level of fulfillment, as well as allowing you to eat and live indoors. But we build lives around those things. My son plays baseball, and it's very easy for our kids' sports to become part of our lifestyle. So a lifestyle, in a sense, is something where you organize the rest of your life around that. You do everything else in a way so that you can do that one thing. It becomes, in part or in whole, foundational to the rest of your life. But then it's not just something you do like once or you do it for a little while and then you quit. You stick with it. You, if you follow a team that's not having a great season, you still go to the games and you still cheer and you still turn them on television, even when they're losing, because that's what a faithful follower, a fan of a team does. You still show up, you put on the colors. It's why sometimes you'll go through difficulty to see your favorite band or celebrity. You'll wait in a line, you'll stand outside in the rain. And so a lifestyle is something you do not only when it's easy, but something you do when it's hard. You do it in all seasons and you keep at it. There's some things that you say no to so that you can say yes to that. And so lifestyles really are not something that we just stumble into or we stumble on. They're something that we daily choose. There's a decision that we continually make and certainly there's positive and negative examples of this. One of the things that happens with a lifestyle a lot of times is when you choose it or when you begin in it, you find some other people who are into the same things that you are. You know, I live on a country road and we have this big hill that we live at the bottom of. And very often, early in the morning, especially on weekends, I'll be woken up by cyclists, like whole groups of people riding bicycles, who that's what they do. And they get up early, and they find other people who do it. And they come ripping down my hill very early in the morning, and they talk amongst themselves. And it's just something that they're obviously committed to. They've, they've bought expensive equipment. They've set apart time. They get up early. They join clubs, and they join organizations so that they can do this together. So really what they're doing and what you and I do is we build habits that reinforce those things and we do them over and over. And here's something I don't think we think about very often when it comes to the lifestyles that we choose. Lifestyles are exclusive. What I mean by that word exclusive is lifestyles force you to make choices. When you choose to build your life in one place, you are choosing to not build it in other places. So when you dedicate your time, your heart, your resources, your passion, your energy, your focus, in one place, when you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to a lot of other things, whether you realize that or not. Have you ever thought about that? That when you say yes to something, it actually means implicitly that you're saying no to a bunch of other things. And very often, we think about the yes, but we don't think about the no. So, some of you have said yes to your careers, and there's really great stuff that comes from that, but you're also saying no to some other things. Are you saying no to the right things? And have you said yes to the right things? And we say yes to our family, and it means that we make decisions differently. Anytime you go on a diet or we change our eating habits or our exercise habits, we say yes and no. To different things. We say yes to certain kinds of foods, and we say no to other foods. We say yes to going out and exercising. We say no to sitting on the couch and binge-watching yet another show. And so it goes. And so when you move in the direction of a lifestyle that looks like what the Apostle Paul has written about, and if you move in the direction of noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, you're actually also saying no to their opposites and vice versa. So when you choose something, you have to move in a direction. You can't just kind of waffle back and forth or else it never takes root and nothing ever changes. The Bible actually has a word for people who can't make up their mind about the life and the direction that they're going to go in. It calls them double-minded. It means they actually have two different minds at work in them. Have you ever tried to follow someone on the highway who can't make up their mind? They can't figure out if they're going to turn or go straight, if they're going to go to the speed limit or slow down, or they're going to stay in the left lane or the right lane. It is absolutely frustrating. And nobody wants to follow after a person who is like that. And I would say this too, nobody wants to pattern their life after somebody who cannot make up their mind, who cannot give their yes to something, and not just something, but the right things, and then build a life there, who cannot build a life that is a virtuous life, in the words of the Apostle Paul, a life that is worthy of being emulated and followed, a life that's worth looking up to. And certainly all of us want this for our lives. We want to be the kind of people, uh, whether we've put these things into practice or not, in our minds, we want to be the kind of people who are worthy of respect, who our kids and our husbands and our wives and the people who live around us and the people we work with and the people we hang out with look at and they look at as a respectable person. But that starts with the things that we give our yes to and the things that we give our no to. So how do we begin to sustain this kind of a lifestyle? If we haven't done it already, how do we make progress and how do we move in this direction and do it in a way that's for the long term? It's not just something we decide to do for a little bit and then we give up. It's something we do and we do it repeatedly. There's another word that the Apostle Paul uses in the verse after our verse, in, in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 4, that I want to draw our attention to. As we figure out something that has to happen as a result of us choosing a lifestyle. And something with, if we misunderstand how this works, it will cause us to give up and quit. Listen to what he says in verse 9. This is the verse after the one we've been reading. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And so he talks about, in verse 8, the thing we just talked about, a virtuous life that reflects and gives praise to God, that that's something you want to emulate, and I want to emulate. And instinctively, if you're listening to this service online, there's part of you that says, this matters, that I become this kind of person, that I continue to move in this direction. And so Paul says, you've seen that in me, or at least I hope you've seen that in me, so do the same things. But here's how you do it. You put it in To practice. Practice. That's the secret. And it's something we often misunderstand, especially when it comes to living a life that's true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Let me tell you a story. Some of you know that I'm actually a musician as well as being a pastor here at Long Hill Chapel, and sometimes I play music here in church. It's it's one of the great joys of my life. I grew up as a child, uh, first learning how to play the piano, and then I learned how to play the organ, and then I learned how to play the drums, and then I picked up the bass guitar, and and I sing a little bit too. Uh, But there's another instrument that I own, but I will never inflict on you and never play in public. And that's the guitar like the actual regular guitar like you just heard joey play a little bit ago now i'm a guitar owner i own a really nice guitar but most of the time it sits in a closet because here's what happened a few years ago actually about a decade ago i had some aspirations of doing this i looked around and said i can play all of these other instruments well enough that i will play them in public in front of other people so why not this one too how hard can it be so i went out And I bought a nice guitar, like a a really nice, good-sounding guitar, and I even took some lessons. But guess what? That guitar today mostly lives in my closet. Now, it's not the guitar's fault. The guitar works great. It sounds great. I've had friends who are really good guitar players who have borrowed it, and they can make amazing sounds come out of it, but not me. And why is that? because here's what is true about the guitar, it is really hard work to make it even sound musical. And the other thing, if you've ever played guitar at all, you know this is true, especially in the beginning, that the guitar literally hurts to play. When you're holding on to those strings, it actually makes the tips of your fingers really sore, and so it becomes really painful over time. And so you're sitting there, and you're trying to make sound come out, and you're muting notes, and you're playing the wrong notes, and things are out of tune, and your hand is beginning to hurt. And you begin to ask yourself, what is the point of this? Now I look at someone like Joey, who you just heard at the beginning of the service, and I'm really jealous because he is an amazing guitar player. He's one of the best guitar players I know. But he would tell you that it took hours and days and weeks and months, literally of him as a kid, sitting in his bedroom, practicing over and over and over and over again. And I can promise you that when he began, he experienced all of the same things that I experienced he experienced the difficulty of making any good sound come out he experienced the pain of trying to play through and as 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 blisters and then calluses form on your hand as you're playing the guitar he experienced the, the frustration of having to work hard and not really see the results but there's a difference in what he did versus what i did is he did not give Because for me, because I play some other instruments, I gave up and I went back to things that were easier and more familiar. I went back to the instruments that I knew because I knew that with relatively little effort, I could make music come out of them. Because I just didn't want to put in the time and I didn't want to wait long enough to see the results. Here's what's true for any lifestyle. Maybe you're not a Jesus follower this morning. This is true even for you with all of those other things. When you start a new lifestyle, you have to be willing to be bad at it for a long time and still stick with it and not give up. When you start something, you have to start it knowing that you're not going to master it right away. I think very often in our culture, we, we have this idea that we can just pick something up and immediately we're going to be, uh, we're going to be really good at it. And when we're not, we think something's wrong or we think we're doing something wrong, but it's actually part of the process. So here's where this comes home for us. If we are going to be people of true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, we have to start somewhere. And a lot of us, honestly, we're going to be bad we're not going to do this as well as we want. We're going to go out and we're going to say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and today is going to be a new day and then we're going to run into our first obstacle or we're going to, we're going to stumble and it's not going to work out the way that we hoped it would and we're going to be tempted to give up because we don't see the results yet. And that's where we need to keep going. Because sometimes it costs us, it it hurts. We don't see our relationships change overnight. Our kids, they get on our last nerve. And the news around us and the people around us and the world around us beckon us in to some other place and some other direction. And just like me and that guitar, it's easy to put it down, to put it away, to put it back in the closet and to reach for something that's easier, that's more familiar, that gets us the satisfaction and the results we think we want sooner what is that thing that you've reached for in your life that step that you've taken that you've given up on because you took it and you're like today's going to be the day and then you ran into opposition or difficulty or it just didn't go as fast as you want or maybe it just felt like it was taking too long or maybe it even hurt what's that place that you go back to that's more familiar Start there. Friends, we have to be really willing to be bad at this for a while and to stick with it and to not give up. But here's the good news is that in the long term, there are results that come from choosing a lifestyle. You know, those cyclists who cycle up and down my road, who can just go miles and miles, and they can go up hills and down hills, and they can go really fast. I guarantee you on their first ride, it wasn't like that. But there's something over the long term that begins to emerge. And that's true even in the negative things of life as well. If you eat a certain way, you know that over time it will produce results. That lifestyle will take you in a direction. But the same is true for what is good and for what is positive. And so there's results that happen when we choose a lifestyle. And there's results that happen when we choose this lifestyle that the Apostle Paul is talking about. Look at verse nine again. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Be willing to be bad at it, but start trying to emulate the things you see in me. But then there's a result that happens. He says this, and the God of peace will be with you. So if you get on the road of the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, And you stick with it even when you don't see the progress, even when it seems like it's taking too long for results to happen in your heart, to happen in your speech and your actions and in your relationships and with other people, and even in your relationship with God. But if you stick with it for the long term, you will begin to have a sense that God is with you along the way. You'll know that God is with you, and God's peace will mark your life. The God of peace will be with you. And we live in a time where peace seems so hard to come by. We look across the world. We look in our own nation. Very often we look in our own lives and we see anything but peace. And these are all places we'd love to see God show up. The way God shows up so often is when we take the long road of practicing this kind of life. These kind of things that we've been studying for the past few weeks. And we build our lives there, and we're willing to be bad at them, and we're willing not to get them right. We're willing to get up and keep going. We're willing to work through the frustration, through the out of tune notes, for the wrong notes, for the pain that we sometimes feel, the things we feel like we're giving up to stay the course. But if we do that, I promise you, because the scriptures promise you, and the Apostle Paul in his word says, the God of peace. Peace will be with you. You'll know God's presence. And the way that you'll know God's presence is by knowing God's peace. And so when it gets hard, you'll be tempted to give up. You'll be tempted to go back to something easier that seemed like it worked better. Another pattern of living. Another way of behaving. Maybe something that's the opposite of these eight words. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent praiseworthy. But stay with it. Don't reach for that other thing. Keep on going. Friends, I want to acknowledge something that I think we forget. The Christian life, the life that is following in the way of Jesus is hard. Just like playing the guitar. It's actually much harder than that. But it's hard. It's not something that's easy because it's not natural for us. And so the key is to just acknowledge that it's hard that will fail, that will fall short, but to realize that we don't have to give up because God has not given up on you and he has not given up on us. Let's be people who make this our lifestyle. It will require you and I to say yes to certain things and whether we realize it or not, to say no to some others, to be transparent about that, but then to commit ourselves to be a lifelong practicer, a learner, someone who keeps on Going. And if we do that in the long term, we will know the presence and the peace of God in our lives, and the other people around us will know it too, and we'll see the fruits of that kind of life emerge. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the power and the just the, the changing of our lives that can happen when we build our lives here, when we choose not to build them other places, when we stick with it, when we build a life on these kind of things, when we set up our dwelling, when we camp out on the things that are noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. And for so many of us, it is so easy to give up, to lose sight, to turn in another direction, to reach for something that seems like it's going to get us the results we want faster, that'll give us a better sense of control and mastery and leverage. I pray we would be people instead who live lives, lives that are marked by these kind of fruit. And we would know the presence of God in our lives and the peace of God in our hearts. And the world around us would know that too. We know this doesn't happen overnight. We know this doesn't happen easily. Give us the grace that you have given us to continue to get up and keep going and keep trying and keep working and keep learning and keep on practicing. Thank you for your faithfulness that we don't just do this with our own grit, our own strength, our own ability to kind of pull ourselves together, but we do it with the power that comes from your spirit in our lives and our hearts. Show us how to live this out practically In our own hearts, starting in our minds, but then in our actions, in our patterns, and in our relationships, so that we would reflect the glory of God, that our lives would give you praise. We thank you for our time together, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net or on social media at lhcnj, and we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week and God bless.